This is the Elevate Church Podcast. For a list of messages and for all updates about events and more information, check out our Instagram, Facebook, or visit elevate.city. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. The enemy wants to stunt your relationship with Jesus. He wants to make you feel unqualified to be used by Jesus. How many of you felt that way before? You just, I mean, you all are lying right now, okay? We've all had moments like that. We just feel like we are unqualified to be used by God, okay? He wants to make sure that we don't find victory in our lives. And we've talked about this, and we'll continue to talk about this, that if you find victory in your life, what are you going to do? You're going to share it with people. You're going to help others find victory. You're going to help them overcome these patterns that the enemy gets us into. And so uh, we're going to just kind of jump in it today. Uh, today we're really going to be talking about guilt and shame, but we'll kind of talk about the whole uh, cycle today. But go with me to the book of Genesis, okay? We're going to spend a lot of time in Genesis. And I just feel like, I, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like I could like just preach a thousand messages from the book of Genesis. There is just so much meat and content in the book of Genesis. And uh, go with me to Genesis chapter 15. We're going to look at verse 4. And uh, we're going to look at the story of Abram that becomes Abraham and uh, Sarai that becomes Sarah. And we're going to look at this story and the promises that God gave them. Verse 4 says this, Then the Lord said to him, No, Your servant will not be your heir. Abram is upset because he thinks that all of his wealth is going to go to one of his servants because he doesn't have a son. He doesn't have somebody to transfer uh, his wealth and his goods to. And the Lord says to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own to be your heir. And then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. All right, so real quick, three things that we need to grab from this passage about how God works, okay? And a lot of times I think that we get frustrated in the kingdom of God because we just don't understand how God works in his kingdom and we don't know how to flow with God in his kingdom, okay? So the first thing we have to see in this is this, that God makes a correction, right? God is correcting Abram, okay? Abram is looking at his life only through physical sight. Did you get that? I know a lot of it, like, what? Listen, we only see life through what we see physically, okay? And God goes, I need you to not see only through what you just see and feel and touch and what you can grab on your own. I need you to see spiritually, okay? That's what God is trying to get you to do. He's trying to open you up to see beyond the constraints of this physical world, okay? And so he makes him a promise. He says, no, your servant will not be your heir. So he is correcting what? He's correcting Abram's perspective. He's correcting his sight. He wants him to see from a heavenly sight. He wants him to see through God's eyes and God's perspective. The second thing that God does is he gives him a promise. 
He makes a covenant with him. God says, listen, I want you to trust me. Right? This is what this is all about. Okay? Our journey in following Jesus is truly about us dying to ourselves and learning to trust and obey Jesus Christ. Okay? And I know that that's not a fun word to talk about, dying to ourselves, okay? But I have learned through experience and also the hard way. The faster I die to myself, the quicker God moves, okay? So he's giving him a promise. Psalms chapter 37, verse four says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires and the passions of your heart. The Lord knows what you care about. He knows what your desires are. He knows what your hopes and your dreams and your passions are, okay? But what is the beginning of that verse? The beginning of the verse says to do what? Delight yourself in him, okay? It's real easy to delight yourself on Sunday morning. We set a great atmosphere. Worship team works really hard. We got beautiful lights and matte programs lights through the week and we set the temperature correctly and it's just a wonderful experience for us to delight ourselves in the Lord. But can you delight yourself in the Lord on Wednesday? Right? When you wake up on Wednesday and there's like 500 emails, you're like, why do these stupid people email me all the time? You know what I mean? Right? Can you delight yourself then? Can you trust the Lord then? Can you give him your heart? He's desiring your heart. And I just, I just put this in there, and I won't talk about it real long, but I remember when I was working at Valley, and this was in Michigan, and I remember Pastor Beth, she was talking about faithfulness and delighting yourself in the Lord and trusting the Lord and that he would bring everything to you in the right season. And I remember me and Jess, we were in a real kind of tough season of life. We didn't have a whole lot of money and, you know, we were trusting the Lord for a lot. And I was like, you know, when is this season going to happen? And I remember she was on stage and she said, listen, I need you to understand that sometimes God looks at faithfulness not in months and days and weeks, but he looks at it in years and decades. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I need it now, you know? Sometimes faithfulness has grown through years of trusting the Lord, but God is always good. The second thing is, or the third thing is this, is that the word says that God counted, okay? Did you pick that up? That the word says that God counted him. Okay, so he looked into Abram's spiritual bank account. Okay, so the Lord will look into your bank account and go, what have you deposited into this bank account? Okay, and what Abram had deposited into his spiritual bank account was what? Faith, right? It says that God counted him Okay, this means that God cares about counting things. It means that he counted him righteous because of what? His faith, okay? Hebrews chapter 11, verse six in the Amplified says this, but without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him. Did you see that wording? Impossible, impossible. 
that's so contrary to our belief system. We talk about the God of the impossible, that he can do anything, that he can work any miracle. Do you remember when Jesus went back to his hometown and he couldn't heal anybody? Why? Because of their lack of faith. Jesus wants to move in your life. He wants to move in the earth, but he's looking for people that he can count. He can look at the spiritual bank account and go, this is a currency. Listen, faith is a currency that God moves in. Did you get that? Okay. So when you move in faith, he counts it as currency in his kingdom. And he'll nudge you. He'll go, hey, I need you to trust me this way. I need you to step out in faith this way. I need you to go talk to that person at work because I, I put a word in you for them. They're going through a hard time, and I know that you're like trying to understand, like, how am I going to give them this word? But you just walk in faith. You just trust in faith. And so the Lord's showing us how to work into this. All right, so back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 16. Uh, it says this, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go sleep with my servant. Perhaps, perhaps I can have a child through her. And Abram agreed. What a man thing to do. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Isn't the Bible just so real sometimes? You're like, for real? Like, man, you know, just a man thing to do, okay? So Sarai says that Abram's, uh, Abraham took Abram's wife and took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave it to Abraham uh, as his wife. Okay, so let's, let's talk about our cycle, okay? So we've been talking about this. We have hopelessness that takes us to temptation, that takes us to guilt, to shame, unworthy, and fear, and back to hopelessness, okay? We've been talking about it. So let me show you this cycle that's happening in this story, okay? So Sarai has hopelessness, right? Why is she hopeless? Because she believes that she's unable to have a son, right? She believes this, okay? So she feels hopeless, which leads her to what? Temptation. The temptation is to what? Say, hey, I have this servant girl. Why don't you take her? Why don't you sleep with her? Let's have a child through her, okay? So what are we seeing, okay? We're seeing hopelessness, the temptation, and then we go to what? Genesis 16, verse 4 through 5. Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant, okay? But when Hagar knew that she was pregnant, she began to treat Sarai with contempt, Okay, so Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. <laughs> He's like, what? This is your idea. This is your plan. How did I mess this up, you know? It goes on to say this. I put my servant into your arms, but now she is pregnant and she treats me with contempt. So what is she feeling? She's feeling guilt and shame now, Right? Okay, so we need to look at this, this little picture that God's giving us in Genesis of how God's perspective is as it relates to this story. Okay, so let's take, let's take hopelessness, okay? So she says what? 
I can't have children. Okay? So she feels hopeless. She feels like there's no hope for my future to give him a son, to have an heir. So I've just lost all hope. So really what's happening is this, okay? She is believing something about herself that God never said. God never spoke that over to her. God never said that. God actually said the opposite over her. She just chose to do what? To believe a lie crafted for her, right? Because the enemy will study you and he knows what lies will cut deep to your soul. He knows what words will get you to do what? To start questioning who you are in Christ Jesus. He wants you to question, does God really love me? He wants you to question, is God really good? I know God is good to others, and I know I see God bless others, but they must be better than me, and they must love Jesus more than me, and they must have a better spiritual relationship with God than me, because I'm not that person, and God can't do that for me. She started to question who she was, question God's goodness, question God's miracle working power. We do this in church all the time. If something doesn't have the outcome that we want, we just chalk it up and go, well, God just doesn't move that way anymore. Right? Like, let's say healing. Right? When we're praying and believing for health and healing over somebody, we're praying for healing for a situation. Because we can't always understand God's ways and his timing and how he works. We get frustrated, and then we start to do what? We start to question God, and we start to question his divinity. We start questioning the word of God. We start questioning his promises. And this is exactly where the enemy wants us. He wants us in a hopeless place, that we are questioning God, we're questioning our relationship with him, we're questioning his power, we're questioning his ability to do incredible things in our life, okay? The other problem is this, is timing. This is where a lot of people kind of fall off the bandwagon with God because I know the feeling when you're like, why God? Why is this not happening now? Amen? You're like, God, why didn't I get that promotion? Why did somebody get promoted before me? I've been faithful. I've been working hard. I've been doing my absolute best. Why did that happen? God, you promised me this. So God gives them a promise. He just doesn't give them the timing and they get frustrated in the timing and they lose hope in the timing, right? I know this is a little deep today, okay? But this is gonna grow you in the things of God, okay? God's timing isn't always your timing. 
And can I just, I'm going to say this because I really believe this, okay? I do not believe that the Lord has put a lying spirit in the prophets of this world right now. Just because some things don't line up with man's timing in the earth right now doesn't mean that God's not at work. Doesn't mean that God's not working. God has a plan, and he is good, and he is working his plan. But I also believe that in his plans, he gives even evil people time to repent. Can I get an amen for that? I know we want to curse all the evil people, and we want to speak against these people, and we want to speak against the injustice, and I understand that. But we need to pray with the perspective. I was praying this week, and I was talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, your timing is perfect, and you are never late. Right? Okay? Remember the servant girl that he raised from the dead? Remember they had professional mourners at her site at the house? Jesus came to the house, and he told them to get out. Right? He said, get out. She's only asleep. Right? Sometimes we perceive that something is dead. Sometimes we perceive that God is late. Sometimes we perceive that God has forgotten. God has not forgotten. Okay? Sometimes it is a matter of the cup of iniquity filling up before the righteousness of God is poured out. Ooh, man, I feel the Lord. The second thing is this, the temptation, okay? The enemy will always give you a roundabout. Anybody use Waze or, you know, something like that? You're like, how do I get around this traffic, okay? So sometimes we perceive there's traffic in what God is doing right? God gives us a promise. We're praying. We're standing in faith. We're trusting the Lord. And we can feel it. We know it. We can sense it. We know it's out there. We know it's coming, right? But the timing gets off. We get hopeless. We get frustrated. And then what does the enemy do? He goes, let me show you a way around this. Let me show you a different direction, right? So what does God want, okay? What God wants is this. He wants us to trust his way, the way he's going to bring the miracle, the way that he's going to heal, the way he's going to restore, his plans, not our plans. But we get frustrated, and so we find this way around it. This is what happens with them. She goes, I know what God has said, but I'm old and Abram's old and like we're going to die soon and I don't really know how God's going to do this. So there is a way around. And here, take my servant, right? It's a temptation. The temptation is always to not trust God. And the enemy will serve it up. And the thing about God is he will give you the choice because that's what free will is, right? That's what the garden is. Everybody goes, why is there a tree in the garden? 
Why would God do this? Because it's beautiful. It's free will. It's God going, this is your choice. You can either choose to trust me. You can either choose to wait patiently. You can either choose to be faithful. You can either choose that trust that I am good or you can make your own way. Now, I don't know about you. I've made my own way quite a few times. Okay? I have circumvented God and found a different route to get to where I want to go faster. Okay? But then it brings us to this place of guilt and shame. And I really think this is where the enemy really plays with us and really does his, like, best work is in this area of guilt and shame, okay? Because here's this. God knows that she would what? That she would hate herself after this decision. How many of you have ever been hopeless? The enemy came and said, here's a different way around. You took the different way. And then he brought you to this place where you go, man, I hate myself now can't believe I made that decision. I can't believe that I chose that route. He knows that she would come to this place where she hates herself. And the place too, you know what's so funny is this. The enemy in these places, in these two realms, he will tell you, don't trust God. He's not trustworthy. You can't trust his plans. You can't trust what he has in, for, in store for you. God is lying to you, okay? And then once you have taken the other road and now you're at guilt and shame, he will come right back and go, I can't believe you didn't trust God. Isn't he awful? He'll flip it right back on you. You didn't trust God. You don't have faith. God knew that she would feel what? Extreme shame. Extreme shame. It's funny. Sometimes I'll ask people in our church, I'll go, hey, um, are you willing to serve? And I really, truly believe a lot of times, a lot of people won't serve because they feel guilt and shame about things they've done in their past. And in that guilt and shame, they'll feel like, what? Unworthy. Right? I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. How could God use me? How could God use my past? I love talking to people about past. I'm like, you want to go story for story? I got you. You ever rode in a car with a kilo of cocaine? I have. Okay? We can talk stories. We can swap stories. But your past is your past. Your past doesn't define your future. Jesus defines your future. Amen? Man, there should have been a big amen on that, okay? Because there's a bunch of us in this room who got some past, right? Okay? Oh, man, you all are too righteous for me today, Okay? <laughs> So the question is this, what do we do when we fail, right? What do we do when we got into hopelessness, 
We fail, we're in guilt and shame and unworthy, and we're in the cycle. What do we do when we are there? Because the enemy will be so loud. His voice will become so loud in you. And he'll tell you this, God is ashamed of you. God is frustrated with you. God is upset at you. And he will tell us God's grace is no longer available for you. What do we do when we have a divorce? Dun, dun, dun. I know it's probably not a big deal in the world anymore, but it still is in the church. What do we do if we've, been, we've had a bankruptcy? What do we do if we've cheated on our spouse? What do we do if we didn't trust God and we took the other route? What do we do? Well, we go back to our roots. But that poses this question, what are you rooted in? Right? This is why it's so incredibly important to be rooted in the word of God. This is why uh, the Lord told Joshua, put my word in your heart, steward my word in your heart, protect my word in your heart. Why? Because he understands. He's teaching us something. He's going, listen, you're gonna fail in life. You're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna have seasons you get into hopelessness. You're gonna have seasons that you make the wrong decision. What are you gonna do? You gotta go back to what you're rooted in and hopefully you're rooted in the word of God. So we need to learn a few things here. The first thing is this. Number one is get up. Look at your neighbor and say, get up. Okay, get up. Okay. Anybody ever fallen before? Thank you, Jake. You're just a true son of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're the only one. You're like, yep. I am clumsy. I have fallen. I remember one time, we were living in Michigan, and um, it's just snowy and icy. For anybody that's complaining about your, the snow out today or the last couple of days, there is nothing compared to that, okay? So we're in Michigan, and... Um, we're like walking out to a car. We live in an apartment. It's snowy. It's icy. It's just miserable. It's cold. And I'm carrying Michael, and I just slip on the ice. And I'm holding him. You know, like, I'm not going to, like, let him, like, fall. Like, I slip. I twist my knee. My knee pops out of socket. And I hold him, and I protect him, Okay. And I'm like laying underneath the car, thriving in pain, thriving in pain, okay? Like, it, I mean, can I just tell you how painful this is, okay? The ice is painful, but my knee is like out of socket, okay? And just my wonderful, amazing life partner comes around the car and goes, what's wrong with you? Get up. I'm like, where's the divorce papers? Like right now, this, this is the moment. This is the final straw, okay? Listen, when you fail, 
get back up. Right? I know it sounds really simple. But when you fail with the Lord, you just simply got to go, you know what? I'm going to get back up. I'm going to trust the Lord. 1 John 1 verse 7 says this. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, meaning what? The Lord understands. He knows. He's seen your entire life. He knows every time you're going to fail. But he gives you an invitation to do what? Just keep getting up and living in him. That's what he's saying right here. Just get up. Get up and live in my pure light. And we share the unbroken fellowship of one another. There's that word, one another. I love, remember I was talking about groups. It's so important to have people in your life that you can go, hey, I want to let you know I failed. And I want to let you know something about Elevate Church. If you fail, we are not going to judge you. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. We are not going to judge you. Okay? I grew up in that kind of church. I grew up in that kind of environment. It was not the heart of the Father. Okay? Now, we have no intention when you do fail for you to stay in your failures. Jesus Christ paid a great price so that you could have victory in life. Amen? amen. Okay? But we will not judge. Okay? You will not tell me something, and I'm going to go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you. It's not going to happen, okay? And I would hope and pray that it wouldn't happen if you were at a group and you were like, hey, I want to let you know I'm really struggling with this. It's important to have relationships and connections that can help you in these seasons. It says this, in the blood of Jesus, his son will consistently cleanse us from our sins. Can I get an Amen for that, okay? So what does this look like? It looks like this. It looks like us being open, transparent, honest before the Lord. Just being honest. I'll never forget the last night I ever smoked weed. You're like, oh, Pastor Jeff. I remember I was with my long ago best friend that was a drug dealer. And I had been working really hard serving the Lord and I had a kind of a hopeless, lonely night one night. Isn't it amazing how the enemy will pounce on you at the right moment? And he called me up and he was like, hey, come on over, let's make homemade donuts. And I knew what that really meant, okay? And I was like, no, man, I can't do that. I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. I can't do that anymore. And he's like, no, 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 man, I haven't seen you in like months. Just come on over, please, please, please. Uh, he's like, I know you have nothing to do tonight. And I was just lonely and the temptation was there. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to come over. We're just making donuts, okay? Donuts, okay? <laughs> and I got into the house and he shut the door behind me. And this guy was 6'6", big, strong guy. Shut the door and he goes, we're getting high tonight. And I was like, no, we're not. And I was like, yes, we are, aren't we? You know, okay. I remember the next morning I got up and talk about guilt and shame and unworthy. 
right? And the crazy thing is this amazing guy named Taka, he had just brought me on to his leadership team, right? I could spell Jesus, so I passed the test, okay? He, no, <laughs> yeah, that was funny, wasn't it? Yeah. He had just brought me on the leadership team. So I'm feeling guilt, shame, unworthy. And I remember I'm driving, and I just remember, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to call Taka today and tell him I can't do this. Like, I'm just, I'm not worthy. I, I, like, I, I'm a mess. Can't do this. But I just felt the unction of the Holy Spirit to go to the church. We had a church, and it was open, and you could pray 24 hours. And I went to the church. And I remember as soon as I got up to my spot, there was a spot in the upper balcony. And I remember as soon as I walked onto that spot, the Lord goes, I love you. I knew you would do that. I just need you to trust me, Jeff. And I just felt his love and I just opened up my heart. And I was like, Lord, I was lonely. I was sad. I was in a rough mental place. And I just, Lord, I'm so sorry. What I do? I just got back up. Amen? I just got back up. And Lord's grace abound. And there's a lot, and you know what's amazing about God's grace is He gives you grace to cover the sin, but He also gives you grace to overcome sin. And it was the last time in my life that I ever touched it. Last time. His grace, his strength. The second thing is we need to see this, is this. Who does Jesus say I am? Okay? 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says this. For God made the only one who did not sin, Jesus. Okay? To become sin for us. So when Jesus is on the cross... He actually becomes sin because he takes every one of your failures and he puts it into him. And the word says that the father turns his head and he can't even look at Jesus on the cross because of the unrighteousness that is upon Jesus. Jesus takes your failure, he takes your sin, he takes your mistakes into him. He becomes sin. It goes on to say this, so that we who did not know righteousness, what does that mean? It means this, that you're not good, I'm not good. All of us are unrighteous. All of us need the grace of God. All of us fail every single day. None of us are righteous. And he goes, I will take your unrighteousness. Why? Because he wants us to do this. When we stand before the judge, who's the judge? God the Father, right? When we stand before the judge, God the Father, he then looks at you and I, not at us, but through Jesus Christ. This is a big deal. He looks through Jesus Christ. He looks through his sacrifice. He looks through his blood. And then he sees you and he goes, forgiven. Forgiven. 
clean, no guilt, no shame, perfect sons and daughters in me. Amen. What a wonderful divine exchange. Jesus goes to the cross and he takes all of your sin, all of your failures, and removes it gone forever. Forever. We have this rule in our house that when somebody makes a mistake, we deal with the mistake and then we never talk about it again. Because that's who Jesus is. When you make a mistake and you are open and honest with him and you come to him and go, Father, I have messed up. He forgives you. And then what happens? It says that he removes it and he doesn't even see it ever again. We do the same thing in the church. I do the same thing with the staff. Ask Matt. Matt's made mistakes. We've had moments where I'm like, we got to deal with this. We dealt with it and then what? We never talk about it again. We never bring it up again because it's in the past and it's covered by the blood of Jesus and it's with Jesus on the cross. But if I remember right, Jesus rose victoriously three days later, victorious over it all. And we stand with him in a place of righteousness with him. The third thing we gotta understand is this, that God is the God of second chances. Woo! Can I get an amen from the congregation? God is the God of second and third and fourth and 111 and 201 and 356, right? He's the God of second chances. Worship team, you guys can come up. Genesis chapter 17. This is where it gets really good. Genesis 17, verse 1. Then Abram was 99 years old. I've told the Lord, I don't want to be here at 99. <laughs> okay, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be here, okay? All right? Me and the Lord got, we have this deal, either 86 years or the rapture. That's the deal me and the Lord have come up with. And I tell justice all the time. I said, listen, if, if the Lord doesn't come back, which I don't think we're going to be here when I'm 86, to be honest. If the Lord doesn't come back, I said, we're going to be having breakfast. Okay, I'm going to have a bowl of cereal. And Michael and his children and Ben and their children, we're all going to be together. And I'm just going to look at them and go, I'll see you in heaven. This is the deal that I have with God, okay? Head into a bowl of cereal. The cereal doesn't kill me. I just let my spirit go, okay? That's just how this works, all right? The final image of Pastor Jeff. So Abram's 99 years old. And the Lord appears to him and says, I am El Shaddai. He goes, I'm the God Almighty. Nothing is impossible with me. 
He's sharing with him a characteristic of who God is. Saying, I'm God. I'm your God. He says, serve me faithfully in blameless life and I will make you a covenant with you by which I will guarantee you and give you countless descendants. This is after Ishmael was born. This is after failure. This is after guilt and shame. Listen, they're in the cycle right here. And God in his, he's just so good. He's so good. You know what I love about this? This is the God of the Old Testament. This isn't even the God of the New Testament. Because when Jesus came, he said, I came to bring a new covenant, a better covenant. But even the God in the Old Testament had grace. And he comes to him and he goes, I know that you're in the cycle right now, but I want to take you out of the cycle. And I want to bring you another chance to trust me. Verse 15. Then God said to Abram, regarding your wife, she will no longer be Sarai, but she from now on will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give her a son of her own. Yes, I will bless her richly. Man, I love God. He doesn't just go, I'm gonna give you a son. He goes, I'm gonna bless her richly. She's my daughter. I'm madly in love with her. I know that she feels awful. I know she feels like I'm a thousand miles away, but I want her to know that I love her dearly and I'm gonna bless her in ways that she couldn't even imagine. And she will become the mother of nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. She doesn't even understand that one of her descendants is Jesus. <laughs> oh, God is good. God is so good. Verse 17, then Abram bowed down to the ground. And he laughed at himself in disbelief. If I was 99, the Lord told me I was having a child, I would laugh too, okay? I don't know about you. I'd be like, I don't know if everything's still working right, Lord, okay? We're gonna need some help. But God is so good. And he says to himself, how could I become a father at 100, he thought. How could Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? the God of second chances. God may have given you a promise and you lost hope. I, I'm just gonna, I just feel this prophetic unction in me that there are things all around this world, all around this room that you've been believing for, but you lost hope. And God goes, I never intended for you to lose hope. Thanks for listening to Elevate Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for service on Sundays or at a dinner party on Friday nights. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, or website at elevate.city for more information.